Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another episode. I'm your host, Brad Becky. We'll be discussing the NFL college football recap and preview for the upcoming weeks. We're going to be discussing the World Series, a way too early NBA playoff seating. And of course, you know it's back this week's fast break. Sit back, relax, turn up the volume for episode 48 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another episode. I appreciate you joining me here. I'm excited to have you, and I'm excited to go over our content for this week. First, we will be going over a recap of the NFL Week 7. I know I briefly touched on the Thursday night game. I actually didn't give you the score because I finished recording before the game was over. So Cardinals topped the Saints after a fantastic defensive performance. And... To be completely honest, Andy Dalton played some pretty good football by the end of the game. Now, let me break down what I mean by that. If you take away those three ridiculous interceptions he threw, this man threw 361 yards and four touchdowns, right? He only had 17 incompletions on 47 attempts. That's really not bad and I think that it was just a combination of miscommunication but also the Cardinals defense just came to play they played better and another fantastic showing by rookie Chris Olave fighting for that offensive rookie of the year play position um, something I think you need to question those Kyler Murray um, he just hasn't been what we know him to be as one of the top players in the league this year it just hasn't been the case little detail to look into there going to your Sunday game Lions Cowboys Lions picking up right where they left off against the Patriots not scoring a touchdown with only six points on the board against Dallas who put up 24 Ezekiel Elliott with the two rushing touchdowns kind of starting to show a little more consistency there good to see from him Lions have a lot of work to do. Goff didn't play too horrible. The interceptions hurt, but other than that, he played pretty consistent. Only five incompletions on 26 throws. Bengals and Falcons. Um, Bengals really woke up this game. Falcons have been playing some pretty good football, and I know that I said this game was going to be close, but that was based on how the Bengals have been playing, not predicting the fact that Joe Burrow was going to throw for 481 yards, three touchdowns, while also rushing for 20 and another touchdown um not sure what got into him this game but i would very much like him to do it again but of course he was on my bench in fantasy and i lost to my boss this week so that was fantastic so don't even bother asking how i'm doing because you should have your answer then you had the titans and the colts in the battle of a mid-off two teams that are just not playing the best football without derrick henry the titans are who bottom of the league in my opinion matt ryan is just not the guy who actually the team feels that way as well. They have came out and announced that Sam Ellinger, rookie out of Texas, will be starting in week eight. 
rather than Matt Ryan. Very interesting choice here. Sam Ellinger a bit more mobile than Ryan, who's a pocket passer, so we will see if that makes a change. Washington tops the Green Bay Packers as Aaron Rodgers is not playing his best football and he needs some more help at receiver. These young guys are just not getting it done. He is only threw touchdowns, two of them to his running back. And you look at the guys that were catching that had the best yards for him were his veterans. Alan Lazard been on the team for a couple years. Sammy Watkins, veteran of the league. Robert Tunyon. Veteran of the Packers, been on the team for a few years. Past that, you had Amari Rodgers with only 14 yards, and Watson didn't even get a catch. I mean, he's trying with these young guys, but they are not producing in as much as they are on the field, and I think that that's a big problem here. And I also think that the defense for the Packers has been kind of disappointing as to what we expected. And on the contrary, Taylor Heineke starting in his first game this season and actually plays pretty darn good. I think that there is some work to be done, and I think he's maybe a little rusty, but I do think he may or may not be your guy going forward. I do think you have the luxury of going kind of back and forth between him and Wentz, but overall I would say that Heineke may or may not give you the best chance to win. Buccaneers-Panther, absolutely embarrassing performance by the Buccaneers. A lot of people are saying that Brady is done. Um, I'm not defending the fact that he's not playing fantastic football, but I do think people need to take into account that some of his best O-linemen are injured and have been since the preseason. And also, maybe take a look in the coaching. I know that when I was watching the Thursday night game before recording this, um, I thought there was a terrible coaching call, and it actually caused them to miss out on a touchdown in the red zone. They were on the three-yard line the entire drive down the field. They had had either Richad White, I think is his name, Yeah, I think it's Richad. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, Richad White in at running back pretty much the whole drive. And on a fourth down attempt, fourth and goal, three yards to go, you put Leonard Fournette in for the first time of the drive. Now, I don't know a whole lot. That's a lie. I do know a lot. Um, I don't think putting somebody in at the end of a drive that hasn't been in the whole drive is even close to a good idea, whether at any position. It's a fourth and goal play. You're fighting for that touchdown. It literally is the difference between winning and losing that game against the Ravens, which they lost 27-22. to But you put somebody in who hasn't been on this drive at all. And now I understand that Leonard Fournette is good. He's been on the team for years. He's established a pretty good relationship. But at the end of the day, momentum is a thing, guys. You got to understand that everyone on the field had played with Chad White that possession. And Leonard Fournette literally got antsy. He was anxious and false started, forcing them out of an easy potential touchdown, only three yards pushing them back and forcing them into a field goal position, which, like I said, may or may not have won them the game if should they have scored the touchdown. So I don't think that that's a good coaching call at all. I don't really know what Todd Bowles thought was going to happen there, um, but I do not like the call to put a guy in who wasn't in the game the entire drive. Anyway, with that being said, they got absolutely worked by Carolina of all teams, and I'm sorry, P.J. Walker of all quarterbacks. This dude had a better passer rating than Brady did. 
Two touchdowns, no interceptions on 177 yards. Fantastic game from Mr. Walker, who was an XFL quarterback before. It just blows me that this guy played better football statistically than Tom Brady. Something else. Giants and Jaguars. Giants continue their win streak. They go up 23-17 against the Jaguars. I'll tell you, somebody to keep your eye on. Daniel Jones is playing some good football. Uh, Saquon with another big rushing game, 110 yards. But you know who wasn't far behind him on less than half the attempts? Daniel Jones with 107. He is actually, fun fact, Daniel Jones has more rushing yards, more average rushing yards, than Najee Harris, starting running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, in my opinion, I kind of saw that coming because Ben Roethlisberger highly targeted Harris quite often, and throwing in different quarterbacks that aren't Roethlisberger could throw off the chemistry between Najee Harris and the quarterbacks. And obviously, you see the QB room in Pittsburgh is really not it right now. So I think that could have a big portion as to why his production has been a lot lower than expected because before his production worked with what they had, and now probably not so much. Browns and Ravens, very close game, went back and forth towards the end, but the Ravens' defense were able to pull it off on more than one occasion. Another uh, another occurrence of a lesser, a smaller quarterback name outplaying their opponent, Jacoby Brissett, with a better passer rating and more yards. Neither QB threw a touchdown. It was solely rushing touchdown after rushing touchdown from these teams. But Ravens came out on top in the last few seconds, just as they did against the Buccaneers this evening. The Jets and the Denver Broncos. Great performance out of Brees Hall. Had the rushing touchdown on 72 yards. Very big part of their offense. And unfortunately, was the last regular season game he will play this season. Uh, Suffered an ACL injury. Absolutely heartbreaking to a kid who was just starting to really get his foot in the ground and take off no pun intended he really was starting to get real consistent and i hate to see it because i was rooting for him honestly i have a friend who is a fan of the jets and it's easy to root for them when he is a fan so especially with their consistency lately and a guy like Brees hall who's picked up quick and unfortunately we won't see again until next year Another game we got here, the Houston Texans and the Raiders. Raiders finally get their second win, 38-20, on an incredible performance from Josh Jacobs. 143 yards, three rushing touchdowns. Um, If you ask me, Jacobs is finally unlocking his true potential that we expected to see right out the gate from Alabama. If you have been watching these last few games, you've seen he's been a lot more consistent and a lot more reliable. And I think that that has to do with uh, adjusting the play calling to match his talent. And I think they're finally starting to really get the true player that Josh Jacobs is. Seahawks defeat the Chargers by 14 points. That one really blows my mind. And I think that there needs to be some question about the coaching in L.A. This is now more than one occasion where the Chargers have lost a game they weren't supposed to lose in the first place to a team they shouldn't have been losing to. Some of you may want to blame Justin Herbert, but this is the second game in a row that he played a fantastic game. He only had one interception, but he played a good game, and they somehow still didn't win. Kenneth Walker, another guy making a great case for Rookie of the Year, 167 yards, two touchdowns out of him. 
Fantastic performance and a name you might not have heard in quite a while, Marquise Goodwin, two touchdowns as well at the wide receiver position after DK Metcalf left the game with a injury that could retain him for quite some time. Steelers and Dolphins. Miami comes out on top by six points, led by Tua Tango Viola back again after concussion protocol and played pretty well. A few questionable runs by him that I don't know I would have been making, but apparently if he's healthy, he's healthy. I'm no I'm no one to judge. Uh, Raheem Mostert, pretty good performance, over 100 scrimmage yards with a touchdown as well. Big part of that Steel- Dolphins offense. Steelers defense just couldn't get it done. Chiefs 49ers. Um, Chiefs are still the best offense in the NFL. Over 400 yards, three touchdowns, Patrick Mahomes. Juju Smith-Schuster finally starting to show that he is still capable of being a wide receiver one like he was briefly in Pittsburgh. Marquez Valdez-Scantling having a big game big game as well. Kelsey not far behind them in yards. Whereas on the 49ers, yet I think the rushing attack was a big problem. It was Christian McCaffrey's first game after being traded from the Carolina Panthers for a second, third, fourth, and fifth round pick of this upcoming 23 draft. I do think that McCaffrey will get more touches, but in his first game he had a combined 10 touches for only about 60-some yards. And I think that we are all used to seeing more out of McCaffrey, and I think we will. It's just about getting him acclimated. He quite literally was on the plane studying the playbook on his way to San Francisco, hoping to play in the game. So you got to understand, he didn't even have a full week to prepare. You can't really expect too much out of him. And finally, your Monday night game. I have to apologize because I discussed that this was going to be a shitty game, and it actually turned out to be a pretty damn good one. Chicago played some very good football, in my opinion, and were able to take a team that just won 29-0 to two weeks ago and beat them 33-14. to I think that your biggest problem in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, Patriots right now, is your QB battle. I know that Mac Jones was started the game. It was his first game back after being injured, and somehow Bailey Zappi ended up being your starter most of the game. But once again, they have announced Jones as the starter for this upcoming week against the Jets. I think this will be a true test for the Patriots. On the contrary, the Bears had quite a consistent performance. If you ask me, they got a lot of it done on defense just being able to contain that Patriots offense, forcing the turnovers, three total interceptions out of the quarterbacks in New England there. Um, And another fairly decent game out of Justin's Fields. I still don't think they're using the kid properly. Looking at your Week 8 preview, we've already discussed the Ravens have beat the Buccaneers 27-22 on a pretty decent performance. Lamar Jackson, 238, two touchdowns, an early injury from Mark Andrews, and a fantastic game from his subordinate, if you will, Isaiah Likely, 77 yards and a touchdown, and also recovered an onside kick that sealed the game for sure. Looking at your Sunday 1 o'clock matchups, start with the Dolphins and Lions. I don't think there's a whole lot to see here. A lot of people think it may be a high-scoring affair, but that Lions offense has been looking real scaredy lately. Um, They will have Swift back, and St. Brown went early out of the game last week with a concussion, but he should be back fully healthy again, so I think that'll be a big part of it. But I do think Miami is the better team, and they will win this game. 
Packers and Bills, Packers have been giving me absolutely no reason to believe that they could beat a team even close to the caliber of the Bills. Very simple pick. Buffalo goes to 6-1. and one. Broncos and Jaguars, two teams that are 2-5 and five right now. And if you ask me, the Broncos is probably the most field goal-oriented team in the league. So I actually am going to give the edge to the Jaguars. I think that their offense has been running a little more efficiently. And after trading James Robinson to the Jets because of the Brees Hall injury. I think that Etienne is going to get even more touches and just be a more consistent guy, and I think he's a very good guy to go to. Not to mention Trevor Lawrence, somebody who had a good performance that nobody's really talking about last week in their loss to New York. He threw for over 300 yards and did not throw an interception. So I think that if he's able to bring that same game to the gameplay to the table in London this week, might then he should do quite well. Interdivisional matchup, Packers, Fal- I'm sorry, Packers, Panthers and Falcons. Will the Falcons be able to recover from their loss and take out the Panthers? Or are the Panthers going to carry their win over Tampa Bay last week and beat the Falcons? I'm going to have to pick the Falcons here. I do, I do think that last week was a little bit of a fluke. I think that they are better than they played last week, and they will play better this week. Dallas and Chicago. I think that Dak finally got them first game jitters out the way. He's back again after his hand surgery. He's felt more comfortable. Um, I don't know if you're going to see as many, hand, as many run, carries by running backs in Dallas this week. I think that last week they did it as a precaution to Dak's hand. This week I think we'll see a little more passing out of him. I'm taking the boys. The Cardinals and the Vikings. Vikings coming off their bye week. I'm going to have to go with the Vikings here. They're 5-1 and one on the season. And I personally, Kyler Murray is just not playing his best football. I think you've got a much better running situation with Dalvin Cook and obviously Justin Jefferson, one of the top three receivers in the league. Not to mention a Vikings defense who's actually been playing pretty well. Raiders and Saints, you have Raiders coming off a win, Saints coming off a loss. Can the Raiders' offense maintain their consistency and can their defense hold New Orleans to enough points to win the game and vice versa? Is the Saints' defense strong enough to give their offense enough time to get it done? Will Andy Dalton start? We will see. Jets-Patriots, we discussed this one briefly. I'm going to have to take the Jets here, but I think it will be close. I know I last last time I said that I was wrong, but what you got to understand is not having Brees Hall in this game is going to slow down that Jets offense just a bit, and there's going to be some adjustments that need to be made. Not to mention, I think Mac Jones will have a much better game as the starter for the team this week than he did last week. I think that'll be a fantastic matchup undefeated Philadelphia Eagles, who also just made a huge trade for a pass rusher, Robert Quinn, in this last week, which will have a huge effect on the Eagles, on the Eagles, on the Eagles, adding more to their dominant defense, playing against the 2-5 and five Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think I need to go too deep into this one. Um, I'm going to have to take Philly. Titans and Texans. I think that the Titans, with a healthy Derrick Henry, have an easy win here in Houston. And I think that uh, Texans have a lot of work to do on defense and not enough to stop a guy like King Henry. Commanders and Colts. I'm going to take Commanders here simply for the fact that they've just been more consistent. Even in the games that they've lost, it's been a fairly close game. The Colts, they've been all over the place and incredibly inconsistent. Not to mention starting a, a rookie quarterback. 
I just don't know how it's going to go. A rematch of the Monday night football game a few weeks back, San Francisco and the Rams. I will say that both teams have slightly been more consistent, but I do think that, like I said before, McCaffrey will get more touches in this game now that he's going to have a full week of practice with the team, not to mention actually building a little bit of consistency and getting touches in last game, I think, will get him a little more comfortable in the offense. I think last week was more of an experimental thing. I'm going to take the 49ers here. Then your Sunday night game, you've got the Giants and the Seahawks. I think this game's going to be a lot better than people are willing to give it to. Um, I think this one, this game's going to be very back and forth. I think it's going to be high scoring, kind of similar to the Seahawks-Lions game, uh, personally. And I think that you're going to see the Seahawks win a very close battle here against the 6-1 and one Giants. Then looking at your Monday night matchup, I think this game could end a lot differently than people are thinking that it could. Um, not having Jamar Chase, who's going to be out for potentially four to six weeks on a hip injury, could prove very important loss for the Cincinnati Bengals. But do not forget, they still have Tyler Boyd, they have T. Higgins back, and not to mention they do have a consistent, reliable tight end in Hayden Hurst. So I do think they still have good options, not to mention Joe Mixon can be a reliable receiving back option. So keep that in mind as well. How big of an impact will Jamar Chase have? We shall see. I am taking the Bengals still. There you have it, guys. Week 8 preview for the NFL. Real quick, let's go ahead and run through your college football Week 8 recap, Week 9 preview. Looking back at Week 8, you had Clemson and Syracuse. Man, I tried to tell y'all last week, this game I almost put some money on. It literally came down to the last second of the game. Syracuse was only down 6, touchdown wins it. They had the ball with just under a minute left, approaching the Clemson red zone and threw an interception. Now I'll tell you something, man. This was a great game for who I've been talking about, Garrett Schrader, for him his name to really get out there. Now, the interception killed him statistically, but rushing-wise, he had a better game than Uangalele, who people would probably have argued earlier in the season that he was a more mobile guy. Now, I think you want to know who won this game for Clemson? Will Shipley, the running back. 172 yards and two touchdowns. Talk about putting the team on your back. I mean, that's that's a crazy performance there, and I think that's what won him the game. Looking over at another matchup, you had UCLA and Oregon. Pretty high-scoring matchup, total of 75 points scored, but like I told you, I thought Oregon was going to come in and get it done, and they did. Bo Nix, five touchdowns, no turnovers on 283 yards. Not to mention over 100 yards rushing from Bucky Irvin, who's been one of the better running backs in college football this season and 132 receiving yards and two touchdowns from Troy Franklin. Good performance from the Ducks. They have been lately playing a lot more like a team that we have kind of expected them to be, if that makes sense, at the beginning of the season. Oklahoma State, Texas. Oklahoma State, another W in the category for them. They outplayed Texas. They win by seven. Alabama-Mississippi State, not as close as it could have been. Alabama wins 32-6, a touchdown, but no extra point for Mississippi State. Alabama 
somewhat back on track. Minimal rushing performance. They could definitely get better there. But we shall see how they go on. TCU Kansas tried to tell you. Kansas State, sorry. Tried to tell you TCU is looking good this year, guys. They definitely deserve their top 10 ranking that they have. Quarterback Max Dugan has been playing some damn good football, but nobody is talking enough about running back Kendra Miller. 153 yards, two touchdowns. Guy is getting it done. Keep an eye on these guys. I'll tell you, there's a lot of talented running backs in college football this year. Looking at your Week 9 preview, some matchups you want to keep an eye on going into this week. Big 10 matchup, Ohio State-Penn State. I will say that after Ohio State's last matchup, you almost get a little scared for them. They're not looking as fantastic as they, they, they were at the beginning of the season. They are still running on a perfect record, and Penn State's perfect record was ruined last week by Michigan's dominant rushing performance. Oh, sorry, two weeks ago. So it really comes down to the consistency of Ohio State and is Penn State going to recover from their loss. Oklahoma State, Kansas State. I'm easily going to take Oklahoma State here. I think that it's uh, Kansas State already just suffered a loss from another good team last week of TCU. Oklahoma State is a team of kind of similar caliber in a way, so I definitely would expect to see similar results here in my opinion. Tennessee and Kentucky, great game here. A rare ranked showdown for these teams. Tennessee man, Hendon Hooker, probably the leading Heisman runner with 18 touchdowns only one interceptions and 2100 passing yards this guy is playing out of his mind and i think it's just gonna stay that way i don't think kentucky has what it takes to put up a fight if even alabama can't do it and there you have it folks week nine preview for college football keep an eye on those games and talk to me when i'm right again Real quick, just one more trade that was left out for the NFL. The Giants have traded wide receiver Kadarius Toney to the Chiefs for some draft picks. That is the only trade that I hadn't already mentioned through the recap slash preview of the NFL. Moving on to your World Series between the unexpected Philadelphia Phillies and the much-expected Houston Astros. So I will admit, despite my very bad guess, Early on, I was half right still. The Astros made it to the World Series. Here we are. Philadelphia is the worst regular season team in terms of record out of any of the playoff teams this year. They barely made it into the playoffs. If you remember towards the end of the regular season, it quite literally came down to the final games. Now, the previous series, you had Houston sweeping the Yankees, which was quite... Surprising after how well the Yankees have been playing. And the Phillies beating the Padres, who just took down the 110-win Dodgers previously in only five matches. Phillies taking them down in five. The Astros have swept both of the opponents that they have gone up against in the postseason this year. Will they keep up the trend into the World Series? And... The Phillies have upset their way through the playoffs. Do they have what it takes to take down arguably the best team in Major League Baseball? Starting the day this podcast released, Friday, October 28th, your World Series begins every game streaming at 8.03 p.m. Keep your eyes out. I think this will be one to remember. 
And before we jump into this week's fast break, folks, I decided that after only five games, it is time to do a way, way too early NBA playoff seeding. Starting with the Eastern Conference, I'm going to take the Celtics as the one seed. I think that they're on a revenge tour from last year, losing to the Warriors. I think that Tatum is ready to play a lot more professional basketball. And one thing that not a lot of people have talked about enough is how much Jalen Brown's game matured through the playoffs last year. He was already one of the better players on the team, if not fighting for the best. But once the playoff came playoffs came because of Jason Tatum's lack of a performance Jalen Brown stepped up and became the best player on that team during that time last year I think that he got a little bit better and I think the Celtics are going to be making a great fight adding a great point guard like Malcolm Brogdon to the mix to be the one seed in the east at number two I have the current one seed the Milwaukee Bucks I don't know that I have to go into too much detail here Giannis is just the best NBA player right now Number three seed, I have the Miami Heat. They aren't playing fantastic right now, but um, I do think that once they are able to kind of get things back into order, I think that they may be suffering from some injuries as well. If they're able to get things back to normal, they will be taking top of the league, going for the three seed in the East. In the four seed, I have the Philadelphia 76ers. I will say it was hard for me to put them under the heat because I personally think that the 76ers, when healthy, are a top three team in the East. So it was a difficult choice to make here, and I almost even thought about putting the Celtics down at the three, Bucks at one, 76ers at two, and Heat at four. But I don't know. I went a little back and forth. This is where I ended up. Five seed, I have the Toronto Raptors. I think Siakam's been playing really well. I think they're getting consistency out of their forwards as well over there in Toronto. The Chicago Bulls coming in at the sixth seed, Lonzo's injury is going to be tough on them, and I know that they have been suffering a little on-off consistency from Zach Levine in terms of injury. Hopefully he can get healthy quick enough to help get that team back up to a winning record on a consistent basis. Then going down to your play-in games, I have the 7th seed Nets playing against the 8th seed Cavaliers. Now, part of me really wanted to put the Cavaliers in the 7th and maybe even 6th seed because Donovan Mitchell has fit right in in Cleveland. But with Darius Garland being injured, how long will he be out? We're not too sure. And I just think that we're not seeing what we saw out of like Evan Mobley and Jared Allen in previous seasons. I think that they're not that they're playing bad. They're just playing lesser than what they did before. Nine seed, I have the Hawks. And then at 10th, I actually have the Knicks, who are currently, I believe, the three or fourth seed in the east right now i have the knicks keeping it consistent um obviously i'm a detroit fan i watched them play against detroit and some players that don't usually shine played really well like obi toppin and if they can get guys like that to play consistently i do think they're fighting for a play-in playoff spot jumping over to the western conference i'm gonna be a bit of a cliche here i'm gonna put the warriors at the one seed um i know that some people have them at three maybe even four but i'm actually going to put them at one at the two seed i have the memphis grizzlies john morant listen man this is one of the best young players in the country and right behind him i have the other one of the best young players in the country luka Doncic. mavericks coming in at number three spot i have the suns at the four now i only say this because i don't think that they're ever going to be the same i think that the year that they went to the the 
finals and lost to the Bucks. I just don't think that they they will ever get that back. Chris Paul is just getting older and older, and his capabilities, I feel like, are going to get smaller and smaller. And I also think that, in a way, don't take this too seriously, that Devin Booker is kind of overrated. Um, I think a lot of people are putting him in the category of like top five young player in the league right now. Um, but in my opinion, I'm not able to put him above John Morant, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, Trey Young, and some of you might not consider him young, but Giannis Antetokounmpo. Listen, Giannis Antetokounmpo, yes, he's a vet in this league, but he's only two years older than Devin Booker. And Devin Booker, out of all the other people I just named, is the oldest out of Tatum, Doncic, Morant, Young. So... With him, he's just as far away in age from Trey Young and Luka Doncic as he is from Giannis. So I might as well just throw Giannis in there because Giannis is better than all those sons of bitches. So I don't know. I mean, Doncic, don't don't get me not Doncic Booker. Don't get me wrong. Booker's a good player in this league. I think he he is a top twenty player in the NBA right now. Absolutely, and I think that he is a top 10 guard in this league right now. But I just don't think... Like, some people are saying he's the best young player in the NBA right now. That's just not true. I think it's Doncic first, then Ja Morant, then probably Trey Young. But if you're throwing Giannis in the mix like I did, then Giannis is one, Doncic two, Morant three, Young four, Tatum five, maybe even Tatum four, Young five. Um, it's, it's just hard to put Booker above those guys. He's not as much of a leader of his team as the rest of those guys are. Doncic is definitely the leader of the Mavericks. John Morant, definitely the leader of the Grizzlies. Trey Young, definitely the leader of the Hawks. Tatum was the only one that you could potentially question with Jalen Brown. But I think that Chris Paul is the leader of the Suns just because of his, his, his captaincy ability. Um, and to always lead a team. But I also think that Devin Booker doesn't necessarily show leadership qualities. I think that he plays good basketball, but I don't think he shows leadership qualities the way the other guys do. At the fifth seed, I have the Denver Nuggets. Sixth seed, I have the Utah Jazz. That one's a surprise, but they're playing good basketball. Right now they're 4-1. and one. Um, I don't really know how they're doing it, but they're playing good. And then you have your play-in games. I have the Timberwolves playing the Pelicans. That's actually one of my favorite games right there. I think that's going to be a great matchup. If you can get Zion healthy, I know he had the the injury. Um, I think it was a hip contusion a couple nights ago. Um, so if he can get back healthy, and Brandon Ingram is also out with injury, and I believe C.J. McCollum is questionable as well. So if they can stay healthy and get away from injuries, they could even be fighting for that sixth or fifth seed. And then your other playing game in ninth and 10th seeds, I have the Clippers and the Spurs. I just think that the Clippers just aren't the same. Yeah, they have Kowalthy, Kowalthy, healthy Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. God, I can't speak tonight, can I? Healthy Kawhi Leonard, healthy Paul George, healthy John Wall. But for some reason, the, the Paul George and Kawhi are just not playing like what we're used to seeing out of them. I don't know what it is. I think that they do have potential to finish higher than than the uh, nine seed, you know, I think that they could, but they could also make a good argument to even get up to like fifth and sixth, maybe even fourth. Um, but everybody's got to be on the same 
like schedule. I feel like you take away those three players, John Wall, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, you don't really have any genuine playmakers. I feel like the depth is a big problem with the Clippers. So um, for me, it's hard to put them too much higher just because of what they've showed me. Because obviously last year you had Kawhi out all year with injury, Paul George in and out of injury, and then they just got John Wall back who he hasn't been the same, but he's still playing pretty decent basketball. Well, there you have it, folks. There is your way, 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 way too early NBA playoff seeding prediction. I'm excited to see where we end up at the end of the season and see how right or just how terribly wrong and how much I butchered that list. I am truly excited to embarrass myself. Not too many people will admit that. All right, you guys. I know we missed it last week, but we got it again this week. Fast break coming right at you. Here we go. Since we were just talking about the NBA, let's touch on a quick story in the NBA. Russell Westbrook, through the first four games, was only shooting 8% from the three-point line. My question to you, is this because he doesn't want to play in L.A., or is he genuinely playing in a Tom Brady style to where he is just not his usual self? Is Russ done? Is he wanting to leave the Lakers? Guess we won't know until we find out. Brittany Griner had put in an appeal for a shorter sentence and it was actually denied. She is still stuck with her nine-year sentence in Russia. I will leave my opinion on that matter to a simple brief point of don't take drugs into an airport. Simple as that. You don't. I don't know how you don't know that you packed something into your luggage. That's all I will say. Phil Kessel of the Las Vegas Golden Knights has officially broken Keith Yandel's record as the Iron Man for the most consecutive NHL games in a row with 990 just this past October 25th. He is past Keith Yandel, whose record was previously 989. Can you imagine 990 consecutive games he hasn't missed? The amount of work you'd have to put in to stay that healthy is unbelievable. Michigan running back Blake Corum is currently the only non-QB in the top Heisman race. Does he have enough to push himself on top? North Carolina college basketball coach Hubert Davis has signed a six-year Extension for $16.7 million to stay with the Tar Heels. All right, you guys, there you have it for this week's Fast Break and Episode 48 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I have business cards. They're very easy. You don't have to do anything other than hand it to people. They also have a QR code so that you don't even have to tell them what to do. 99% of people know what a QR code is nowadays. All I'm asking you is to pull it out of your pocket and hand it to someone. If you're looking to do this for us here at BoxScore, please reach out to me. I will ship them to you free of cost. And genuine appreciation for anybody willing to do so. It's a simple gesture that goes a very long way at helping us spread the brand. I'm very very, 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 very excited for what the future holds for us here. 
next week for week nine, which actually marks the dead center of the NFL season, we will be doing a mid-season evaluation of each team rather than a recap. Well, we will be doing a recap, but not a preview. I'm sorry. We will do the recap, not the preview. Instead of the preview, we will be doing an evaluation in the middle of the season of each team and where I believe they'll finish the end of the season and what they need to focus on from here on out. Other than that, I will see you guys next week for episode 49 of the Box Score Sports Podcast. We're almost to 50. That's so crazy. See you next week. Peace out. Took my baby to the highest highs.